Shankar Marwada has been working on enabling lifelong learning at the Ekstep Foundation. And if he has one thing to share after five years of working on societal challenges, it's that you need to be flexible. The conventional wisdom that you can make great plans with fabulous words, very clever strategies that look deep into the future, and then somebody will implement it in both letter and spirit. The reality for us has been the equivalent of you have a destination which is bold, imaginative, inspiring, and the plans are what they are, plans. They are guidelines and milestones, but they are not the destination. Charting out development plans are easy, and the process is well established. You can start with a log frame, then often you build infrastructure. For example, you might build toilets or houses, and then you think about furthering access, and then from access to doing the work, and then achieving outcomes and goals. But in Shankar's view, letting go is what wills the design to life. And this necessarily means being comfortable in letting go. Letting go of ideas, letting go of solutions, letting go of achieving specific numbers in a quarter or in a plan. And until one is used to it, it is very discomforting. Shankar speaks from his perspective of being a leader and he realizes that to relinquish power is to allow the possibility of greater success. Because when others get empowered to solve alongside you, the network grows, things can move faster and the ecosystem expands. Success comes from listening and then learning from failures. The first, the second, the seventh, the eighth. You realize that this is fun. You realize that now you're not fighting the rapids. You're not fighting the water. You're going with the flow. So it's a mindset. It's a skill. It's a practice. And it's an organizational culture. Welcome back to Sea Change. This is episode two of season two. I'm Samyukta Varma. And I'm Radhika Vishwanathan. Sea Change is a show about societal change in the digital age and how to make a bigger, faster and more inclusive impact in the world we live in. In this episode, we explore design. The organizations we speak to have different approaches, operate in different domains and are at different points in their journey. But equally, they are all asking the same questions. How do you share the ability to solve a problem? How do you design to share control with others so that they can act in their own best interests and improve their well-being? We find out if there are any fundamental principles they can share from their experiences so far. And we get a glimpse into the process of actively designing for societal change. Change is much more evolutionary than revolutionary. When you think of the word disruption, which you could argue is a strong contender for word of the decade, you would think of something unexpected that came in and completely changed the way you lived. Like the smartphone, for example. But disruption in the development sector looks very different. Education or healthcare won't be solved simply by introducing a revolutionary new product. 
In Shankar Marwada's experience, societal change comes from small incremental impacts. And if the incremental changes are designed well, they can be just as transformational. Shankar and his team call this plus one thinking. So in some ways, plus one thinking is counterintuitive. An example may help here. Take the textbooks that Akestep worked with. Which in India, everybody is familiar with. We print a billion of them every year. On the face of it, they don't look different from anything we've seen before. Using your phone to access a QR code in a textbook and through that credible, relevant, trustworthy content at a time place of your choosing suddenly became a mind-opening idea. So plus one thinking is just that. Mind-opening, yet vaguely familiar. And each plus one step adds to the one before it. And so you go from a basic textbook, which then opens a door to a virtual library, or it can provide assessments, it can become training material, and then suddenly... Small pocket-sized versions of that, which somebody can put in their pocket or in their handbag and use it just before a class if they're teachers. So this evolutionary nature is something which we realize is a practical means of achieving societal platform projects. It's this first step that can sometimes reveal the blueprint for the design of the societal platform. That's the first step Jeru Billamoria took 20 years ago when she set up Childline. She realized child services could be dramatically improved by understanding how India's vast railway network played a role in the lives of street children. That, to me, is the genesis of Childline, that we could never, ever have something which was going to be a city or a geographic specific because we needed to be catering to our clients. And if you put your client at the center, and that time my client was my kids from the streets, then I had to think of something which was always going to meet that needs. Jeru Bilamoria founded Childline 24 years ago. The organization works with children who are homeless and who live on the streets, runaways and victims of trafficking. Today, the Childline model has been replicated across many countries. Now, the little one knows about street children and, well, many of them have run away at very young ages, so they have the courage to run away, but many of them live on the street on the trains. So they live on the streets, but they also live on the trains. To quote some of my kids, they would rattle off half a dozen cities, Bombay, Delhi, Beechmay, Nagpur, Phir, Varanasi. How do you create a system to work with this huge floating population of children who live off the streets and on India's maze of railway lines, constantly moving from one station to the other? So for me, one of the first principles in any change effort is your client is the most important when you are thinking about change. And if you have to look at scale, you need to look at their life pattern. These children needed different kinds of help. Safety at night when they're alone and vulnerable, counseling and emotional support and interventions from abuse, medical aid at different points during the day, So we sat on lots of railway stations, gardens, you know, across everywhere, traveled with them on the train and mapped what were the people and the ecosystems that touched their lives. It was the police, 
it was the healthcare system which never admitted them or rarely admitted them so the next step that we did after listening to our street kids and their very illustrious journeys through india was to listen to and try to map the whole ecosystem that impacted them This century has been greatly marked by the importance of design. We see it in all of the technology created that had intentions to empower users and the surprising and ingenious ways we have used it to innovate. It's mostly these accidents that we learn from today, which is why so much design thinking is about understanding the user, the client, the beneficiary, the customer. This is what Jeru understood all those years ago. Many social organizations set goals and work to achieve them in a linear way by laying out pathways for each stakeholder to achieve these goals, operationalizing change. But when you're dealing with systemic change, you're dealing with a diverse set of users. For example, in the education sector, there are students, teachers, administrators, each with different needs. If the goal is to create a system where they take their own decisions on how to improve their own well-being, create their own solutions for classroom problems, how then would you go about designing for the users many schools in india are short staffed staff have to manage a heavy load of coursework and often students from different grades and then they have many administrative tasks to attend to here is santosh mor from mantra for change as he describes some of the daily tasks of a public school educator many a times you would find that the school head is given many tasks uh, from running a school with single or two teacher to to dealing with parents to making sure that the school's administrative things school safety security health hygiene everything is covered everything is taken care of communities are are happy with the school with the education all these things are supposed to be done by a school head and the school head if you see becomes the single point of contact in many cases for the community to the school Khushbu Awasti is the COO of Shiksha Lokam Shiksha Lokam works with school leaders across India Just listen to her as she talks about some of the challenges of working in this space And when we started off on our own journey of Shiksha Lokam we realized that in the ecosystem there was very little that was being done about the leadership as a subject uh most of the people even in the civil society actors they were focusing either on professional development of teachers or on improving the classroom uh, practices for the child so that their learning improves so one of the key challenges for us was how do we build this narrative that building the capacity of leaders is so important for sustainability of change efforts and to convert a non performing system into a performing system it it is only when you work with leaders that you actually improve the ability of the system to improve itself continuously otherwise nothing is going to sustain no matter how much um how much work one does with the teachers or with the children inside the classroom and the challenge is that the system grooms teachers and school staff to be what santosh calls operational leaders they're trained to get things done what khushbu and santosh want is to help them with instructional leadership 
the ability to nurture young students and create a space for learning. And second was this whole problem of um, the challenge of scale, right? Um, we said, like in the beginning, we said, can we set up an institute where maybe leaders can come and we can um, deliver certain courses for them, invite some great professors from across the world and give them global experience about what are the good leadership practices. And then suddenly the whole scale perspective dawned on us to say that India as a country has more than 1 million public schools. And when we are talking about building the capacity of these leaders, it will take us ages if we go cohort by cohort, batch by batch, calling them to a physical institute. The challenge for the principal was finding the time to take leadership and development courses. These sometimes took multiple days, time they could not find in their busy schedule. And to add to all this complexity, a leader's life is so busy, right? I mean, it's it's difficult for them to step out of their organization, come out and attend a course. We have had so many experiences of speaking to school principals, of uh, cluster leaders, block education officers. And every time we ask them that, what would you want to learn? What would you want to... um, you know, um, know know about a teacher getting empowered without having a restriction of sitting for a professional development classroom session, but a teacher choosing the time and the place in which the teacher wants to get empowered is something that will change the way the training and capacity building happens in the school system. The answer Chiksha Lokam found was in creating a product that allowed teachers and principals to decide how and when they accessed their learning resources. They designed their app such that it delivers short capsules of 15 minutes or less, which the teachers could log into whenever they had the time. It goes back to a design principle that Jim Fructiman avows. He's a tech-for-good entrepreneur. When I started technology, people spent a year designing a product and a year building the product, and then they they basically sprung the product on the user and said, do you like it? And the new, more modern approach is, it goes by a lot of different buzzword names, you know, uh, human-centered design, agile, lean, rapid prototyping. But the idea is um, when you're 10% of the way in, people should be testing your product, your prototype. And if they don't like what you've done, throw it out and start over. (laughs) So the whole idea of the pivot, which is, we thought people needed this, we went and talked to them, and nobody needed this. They needed that. Let's build that. But I started a smart career, you know, that's uh, since I was with Vinoba Bhave. Have you heard about Vinoba Bhave, the Bhutan leader? Mr. Loganathan, or Anachi as he's better known, joined the Gandhian Vinoba Bhave in the 1960s and took part in one of India's most significant land reform campaigns. He then founded ASEFA, or the Association for Sarva Seva Farms, in 1979, today one of the largest NGOs in India. ASEFA recently began working with Avanti Finance to improve farmers' access to credit. Smallholder farmers struggle to get lines of credit even for seemingly small sums of money. Lalitesh Katragada is the Chief Product and Technology Officer at Avanti Finance, whom you might remember from Season 1. Avanti partners with some of India's largest and oldest NGOs to create loan products where credit lines are community-designed. And the interesting thing is, we, Avanti does not, Avanti's team does not create these loan products. We have created a platform where products can be created. 
and the products themselves are actually created by these partners these uh, our mission aligned communities that we are partnering with right whether it be this dairy uh, farming partner or whether, you know in the case of tamil nadu we are partnered with this organization called asefa there are few organizations that design complex financial systems with local communities people are fully capable of administering what seems to be complex systems like a financial service right if you give them the right tools and if you make it digital and the other one is co-creation really works um and uh, and people are fully capable of you know imagining what products are required for their community and both of them were you know, yes if you if you go by the you know pure design definitions of agency and affordance they make sense but the, to actually see it work on the ground is magical in many ways um and now you know we have some understanding that this works uh, what avanti is looking to do next is to see how we can scale that beyond the handful of partners that we have here's one of avanti's clients talking about his experience main naam tipender kumar hai ye meri wife komal aur hum ardwar mein rehte hain nidavasti kanga park sundar introduces himself and his wife and he tells us that they live in haridwar where they are tailors we took a loan of 7000 rupees from avanti he says this loan was completely online and there was no paper no paperwork he means and we can get all our information through our mobile phones how much money we have how much we have received how much we spend and thanks to this our interest is low this is jeru again talking about the first iteration of childline we got the model going in bombay and it was the same model that we then took across the uh, you know across india and yeah i think and i think the one thing which i learned in childline is that if you had to do partnerships and you had to do it you should never ever ever try to think you are the person who's doing it all ideas have to be co-created so childline in bombay i will and the whole structure i always say that we co-created it systems grow through networks of users networks of players with like-minded values and diverse skills and approaches Childline has a lot of lessons to share about what it took to get divergent groups to converge around a single mission. These included police, doctors, counselors, social workers, shelter homes, and institutions from different states in India. We asked her to tell us about what the network building experience was like. What did it take to bring all of these stakeholders and institutions together? I had a learning that you had to work with organizations which were willing to collaborate and with individuals who had a collaborative mindset it was easy to get off the ground in bombay after we had crossed some of the initial thresholds or i'd say easier taking it national was far more difficult i think the way we did it strategically um uh was actually to create an opt in process rather than a selection process when the intention is to replicate a model across a giant country and do it in a way that reflects the realities and issues faced by so many children how do you go about convincing people to join you how do you get consensus on the larger objective and how do you actually scale so the more you partner the more you achieve and therefore 
to look at the whole ecosystem, we started partnering with all the players in Childline. And therefore, Childline normally would have started with one organization and a phone. Our first phone ringing, where we had almost no money, was already done with eight organizations. So it was already a collaborative approach, and then we involved... This is how my Tech for Good projects get started. They're not my idea. Someone shows up on my doorstep and says, Jim. Jim works with many development organizations to help them accelerate. And at every step of the design process, he gets them to test and talk to their users. That's, we, th- we think that listening is at the core of how you build technology that people will actually use at scale. And, uh, and if you can do the personal interviews, that's even, that's even better. And one of the giant frustrations about COVID-19 is that one of the best things we ever do is we go and we sit with people, we accompany them on their, their mission journey. And we can see what, where the technology is getting in their way sometimes even better than they can. But it's, again, putting listening and learning at the center of how you do it. Organizations like Tostan work on some of the hardest challenges in development, changing social norms. My name is Elena Bonometti. I'm the CEO of Tostan, uh, and I'm calling from Dakar, Senegal. Tostan is a West Africa-based organization that has for 30 years partnered with communities at the grassroots to empower them and to inspire movements that have the respect of human rights and dignity at the core. One of the issues they work on is FGM, a practice that is widespread in many communities. Because trust is the basis of this process. And so trust means really working together, living together, and really understanding each other. Even though Tostan's work is concentrated so locally, it's so grassroots, and operationally can look like it's about changing one person's mind at a time, the ecosystem is the only way to bring change at scale. I think it's important to put in place a system that incentivizes that belonging and incentivizes that system together to be successful. Co-creation again, aligning um, system of beliefs, uh, belonging, I think it's a key critical factor for, for having those forces that I agree with you pull in different directions, but coming together and, and be even more powerful. Elena says this is the way forward creating the platforms that can empower communities to question gender norms and other community practices. It can have a cascading effect. Our values are powerful um, instruments to get us where we want. And so we should really spend time in making sure that those systems of beliefs that we have are aligned. And I'm sure we can do, uh, we can do wonders together. The word ecosystem comes up a lot in this conversation about collaborating to solve problems at scale. The ecosystem is what lies beyond the boundary of partnership. It's about the wider set of groups that are implicated in the social goal. And it encompasses elements of the state, the market and the private sector. It's formed by more and more stakeholders seeing that they have intersecting objectives and are willing to co-create. For organizations like AICSTEP, the ecosystem is now critical to achieving their goal. We have faced several challenges. The most important one of them is it does not matter how powerful an idea is unless one can convert it into a form which can be executed by the ecosystem. 
Throughout this episode, we've talked about designing for a system. Systems are often structured around principles, and we've been trying to understand what types of principles drive the design of co-created systems. All the organizations featured here deeply appreciate and are trying to preserve the pluralism and diversity within every part of the system, from the different worldviews of the people to the range of partners and the way in which interactions in the ecosystem could take place. Principles are where we start thinking about problems around us, and they are also what we use to direct our solutions. But sometimes they collide. In our next episode, we talk about governance. Thank you to Lalitesh Katragada, Santosh Moore and Kushbu Avasti, Shankar Maruwada, Annachi, Jim Fraktaman, Jeru Bilimoria, and Elena Bonometti. Sea Change is brought to you by Societal Platform and Vaca Media. Music, mixing, and mastering by Ovik D'Souza. Sea Change is a co-production of Societal Platform and Vaca Media. For more information, visit societalplatform.org.